Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. To have a little grace, a little understanding, a little compassion, because I've seen some stuff online Again, this judge jury executioner thing where people are just tearing this girl's life apart. I saw a picture of her at a sorority party five years ago. The picture was from 2018 at an old South antebellum party. So I think, you know, when you, when you, it's, it's when you not, hold that under the lens, look. it's not a good look. No, it's not a good, well, Rachel, is it a good look in 2018 or is it not a good look in 2021? Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. How are we doing? Hope you're doing well. Hope your Sunday slash Valentine's Day was everything that you wanted to be or that you found the appropriate voodoo doll to, you know, stick a pin in and and curse somebody later. Okay. (laughs) What do we have to talk about? You guys, I was on the Oh No Bravo Instagram live talking about the first part of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunion. You can find that video so much fun on her Instagram. Uh, yeah, it should be one of the latest posts. Uh, head on over to Ono Bravo. Thank you. Thank you, Chelsea, for having me on. Um, we got to talk about something. We have to talk about something really important. We got two sort of... <sighs> okay, there's a lot of con- uh, conversation about apologies. Apologies in the wake of making mistakes that are either misogynistic, racist, problematic, all of the above, right? We got two big ones in the world of pop culture last week at the hands of one Justin Ramen Noodlehead Timberlake and Chris Harrison, host of The Bachelor. So let's start off with Justin's apology, and I'm putting that in air quotes. Ugh. I posted this on Instagram, y'all. I didn't even read the whole thing. What I'm going to be reading now will be the first actual read-through that I've done uh, of this alleged apology. So, obviously, we know the New York Times documentary, Free Britney documentary, came out. Check out, you guys, go over to Dunzo Podcasts. King Troy did... In addition to an episode recapping the Freed Bitrain documentary, he's been doing the Lord's work. 
who's been doing the Lord's work when it comes to uh, Brittany. And he's like a historian, you know, an anthropologist, a sociologist, a lover and a friend. Okay. <laughs> but you guys, if you have not checked out Dunzo podcast, absolutely do so. He deserves it. And, you know, those bitches over at Wondery can catch these hands. Anyway, um, because of the wake of that documentary, there was obviously a flood of people on the Internet very upset with how media um, treated Britney and other stars. I just watched a video in which David Letterman interviewed Lindsay Lohan, and he's talking to her about Oh, aren't you supposed to get rid of rehab? What, how many times have you been to rehab? Why do you have to keep going? He's just like incredibly rude, even though she's repeatedly saying like, I really don't want to talk about this. This was not part of our pre-interview um, conversation. You could tell she's very uncomfortable and she very gracefully like skated her way through that interview. It's horrifying to, to watch this like old ass man make fun of her on her sobriety journey. Like guys, don't we have a limit even even however many years ago that interview happened like didn't we know that maybe that was like the height of insensitivity anyway um people have been going after uh diane sawyer they've been praising craig ferguson because he came out and said on his show years ago that he didn't want to talk about Brittany and the things that she was going through and how young she was and you know how she was a new mother and how this felt really like gross and invasive and unfair to talk about Thank you, Craig, even though, you know, we don't give flowers to people who are doing the right things. So, like, thank you, but also, you know, I'm not going to clap for you too hard. Um, Diane Sawyer, to say Diane Sawyer, for her interview with Brittany, has gotten a lot of flack over the past week. And, obviously, Justin Timberlake, enemy, public enemy number one. So, because of this, he wrote this. Apology. I've seen the messages, tags, comments, and concerns, and I want to respond. I am deeply sorry for the times in my life where my actions contributed to the problem, where I spoke out of turn, or did not speak up for what was right. I understand that I fell short in these moments, and many, and in many others, and benefited from a system that condones misogyny and racism. I specifically want to apologize to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson, both individually, because I care for and respect these women, and I know I failed. I also feel compelled to respond in part because everyone involved deserves better and more importantly, because this is a larger conversation that I wholeheartedly wanted to be part of and grow from. The industry is flawed. It sets men, especially white men, up for success. It's designed this way. As a man in a privileged position, I have to be vocal about this. Because of my ignorance, I didn't recognize it for all that it was while it was happening in my own life, but I do not want to ever benefit from others being pulled down again. I have not been perfect in navigating all of this throughout my career. I know this apology is a first step and doesn't absolve the past. I want to take accountability for my own missteps in all of this as well as be, to part, be a part of the world that uplifts and supports. I care deeply about the well-being of the people I love and have loved. I can do better and will do better. Now, you know, a couple people asked the question of like, well, I'll, I'll go back to that later. I, we'll start with Justin and then we'll go on to Chris and then we'll talk about why these apologies don't exactly hit well. Okay. First of all, shut up. 
Secondly, I didn't, I, first of all, like, I didn't see, okay, you say I specifically want to apologize to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson, both individually, because I care for and respect these women and I know I failed. But then it doesn't really get into what his specific actions were, what specifically he did. And it it's just like, I'm apologizing to them both at the same time individually. And that doesn't really make sense. Like, apologize to Brittany for what you did. Apologize to Janet for what you did. And then you can say those things about how you've benefited from privilege, blah, blah, blah. Okay, next, moving on to Chris Harrison. So to catch you up on what happened with The Bachelor, um, there's a contestant on the show right now, Rachel, and they're, you know, everybody's pulling out receipts on social media. So Rachel is from Georgia, and there were pictures that came out of her attending, like, an antebellum-themed party at her college and something else that she did that was really weird so rachel the first black bachelorette rachel Lindsay, had a conversation um on a television show with chris harrison the host and she was talking about you know how problematic this was now granted rachel rachel um the one that got in trouble is 24 years old meaning she was not in college too long ago. We're talking these pictures are from like 2019. So Chris keeps making the argument of, you know, are we viewing, are we doing the right thing by viewing this through the lens of 2021 or should we be viewing this from a 2019 or 2018 lens? And like things were like, as if the last couple of years were so wildly different in terms of how we um, embraced uh, conversations around race and racism. Um, this was an antebellum themed party. I think anytime post 1950, (laughs) um, parties that are basically celebrating the civil war era, um, racism. I don't really think there's a great difference between 2018 or 2019 and now. Okay. And uh, from my understanding, Civil War celebrations, a big no-no. Now, granted, like, I'm from Georgia, and I know that these things have been happening. They happened when I was in college. Um, I know at UGA that they had, they were um, frats and sororities that got in trouble for having these uh, parties. And I'm old. <laughs> so if it was happening then and people were getting in trouble for it then... We can definitely have this view this conversation from a 2019 lens and say, yeah, that was unacceptable. So Chris keeps going on to talk to Rachel and trying to Rachel Lindsay and telling her to like basically extend grace to this woman for what she did a couple years ago. And he repeatedly says that. And Rachel was of course, very unhappy, but she didn't say much in that interview. Obviously that interview came out. A lot of people were upset, Rachel Lindsay included, and she came out and issued her own statement. There was a, basically she said she's done with the franchise. She says that she had had, you know, she has some contractual obligations that she has with the franchise, but once she's done with those, she is done for good. And, she goes on to say, like, I can't take it anymore. 
I'm contractually bound in some ways, but when it's up, I am too. I can't, I can't do it anymore. Um, said I have to basically what she said, I think was an incredible, like if you're not a person, a fan of the bachelor or bachelor nation, you guys know I'm, you know, on the bubble, <laughs> not super invested in it. But I think that this, which everything she said was incredible. I thought it was an incredible, um, statement to make about how black women have to react in these situations, especially in professional environments, work environments, um, how to not handle things like this, Chris, and how she had to, in the moment, navigate the situation. It was, it, it really broke my heart for her. So she says, you know, I, about when she's in the moment, I have to stay calm. I cannot react. I cannot show emotion. And the reason is once I do that, that's all that people will see. I'll be angry. I'll be aggressive. You won't hear what I'm saying. You will not hear what the other person in this instance, Chris Harrison is saying, you will only see the reaction. And when I saw how this interview was going, I said, I'm just going to sit back and I'm just going to let this man talk. I'm going to hold it together and I'm going to poke just a bit. When I finished that interview with Chris, he had no problems with it. He was fine. He texted me after he appreciated the conversation. He was like, yeah, I'll probably get a little flack, but thought it was great that we could disagree, but do it in a civil way. It wasn't until the backlash came the next day. It wasn't until people started talking, people started demanding and calling for different things that he then apologized to me and then apologized publicly. I'm trying to reason, well, which one is it? Because to me, Tuesday was your truth and Wednesday's after the fact. Wednesday, the day that he apologized, was a response to the backlash. During that whole conversation, he had the audacity to question me. During that conversation, he talked over me and at me. During that conversation, his privilege was on display. He never gave me room to talk. He never gave me um, room to share my perspective. He wasn't trying to hear it. He was just trying to be heard. I wanted to react so badly. And if you pay attention to that video, I'm moving my hands together. My foot is moving because I'm boiling inside. And the things that were boiling to me the most were the compassion and the grace that, um, and the space that Chris Harrison wanted to give to Rachel, that Rachel, but couldn't give to this Rachel in the interview. Couldn't give it to the people that were offended by the things that she said. Where was the compassion for them? People go to him for his opinion, um, you know, with the franchise. So if he's speaking out in an interview in this way to discuss things related to the Bachelor franchise, then what does that really say about the franchise? What does the franchise really represent and mean if this is your face, this is your spokesperson, and this is what he really feels? Incredible. I thought this was absolutely incredible. And she hits on a point that I'm going to talk about later. So let's talk about Chris's apology. So he apologized on Wednesday for the backlash. That was her response to his apology. And then he announced just yesterday, Saturday, that he was going to be taking a break. So this is his second statement. Hello, everyone. I have spent the last few days listening to the pains my words have caused, and I'm deeply, deeply remorseful. My ignorance did damage to my friends, colleagues, and strangers alike. I have no one to blame but for myself for what I said and the way I spoke. I set standards for myself and have not met them. I feel that with every fiber of my being. Now, just as I taught my children to stand up and to their own actions, I will do the same. By excusing historical racism, I defended it. 
I invoked the term woke police, which is unacceptable. I am ashamed over how uninformed I was. I was so wrong. To the black community, to the VIPOC community, I'm so sorry. My words were harmful. I'm listening and I truly apologize for my ignorance and any pain it caused you. I want to give my heartfelt thanks to the people from these communities who have had enlightening conversations with over the past few days. And I'm so grateful to those who have reached out to help me on my path to anti-racism. The historic season of The Bachelor should not be marred or overshadowed by my mistakes or diminished by my actions. To that end, I have consulted with Warner Brothers and ABC and will be stepping aside for a period of time and will not join for the After the Final Rose special. I'm dedicated to getting educated on more profound on a more profound and productive level than ever before. I want to ensure our cast and crew members, to my friends, colleagues, and our friends, this is not just a moment, but a commitment to a greater understanding that I will actively make every day. From here, I can only try to evolve and be a better man and humble myself before all of you. I hope I will again live up to the expectations you all rightfully have for me and the expectations I have for myself. So to get back to what these two things have in common and the thing that Rachel hit on that I thought was very important. So people want to ask, like, when you mess up, what is the proper way to apologize? And honestly, from my perspective, there is no perfect way to apologize because people are going to feel how they feel and they're entitled to that. And they're also, you have to do the work after that. So you can't really expect people to accept your apology when there's really not been that time to do the work and evolve and change and be better. But... The second thing is, are you apologizing because you know you did wrong or are you apologizing because there was a backlash and in that backlash, did you realize what you did wrong or were you just apologizing because so many people are upset with you? And that's the thing that like we can never really know. And that's why I don't really trust apologies like that. Those two apologies sounded like every apology that we've heard when somebody does something misogynistic and racist, it is, I mean, it's a blueprint. They basically could have said the exact same thing <laughs> and no, nobody would have been any the wiser. Right. I mean, if this was just an apology to Janet and not to Brittany on Justin's behalf, like he could have said the exact same thing. We could have switched names and, and you probably wouldn't know if I had taken out the bachelor, you wouldn't have known any different. And that's where things ring very hollow to me. It doesn't feel all that personal for me. Chris Harrison is a grown ass man. He's I think 49 years old. He is the, to me as, as a person who doesn't really watch the bachelor that much, like he's kind of a non-motherfucking factor to me in terms of the show, but I understand that he's like, you know, the constant for all the franchises, right? The thing to me is like, there have been so many conversations about race relations within the franchise. The show's been on over a decade, I think, and we're only just now getting people of color as the objects of desire. So to say that, like, he was ignorant to those sorts of things when this has been a hallmark point 
of conversation, topic of conversation within the franchise itself, how is that possible? Right? Like, how is it possible? And, like, how, in your mind, can you look in a black woman's face and tell her, use the terms woke police, tell her to calm down, tell her to have some grace? It, I mean, how, how do we get there? How is that possible? The second thing that really rubs me the wrong way is when people, celebrities fuck up, is that they invoke their children in some form or fashion. It, whether it's like, I'm about to be a new mother and I don't want to bring that into the world, or I, you know, I have children and I want to be better for my children. And it, it to me, that's like a tactic for sympathy, whether it's intentional or not. Like, I don't give a fuck about your children. You're the one who messed up. And sure, you should be a better person for your children. But like, that's a conversation that you have with your children, not with the public. I don't care. And it just feels like a tactic to me. Feels very much like a strategic move. Um, So, you know, it's like, it's been fuck Justin Timberlake for years now. It's, you know, we're talking about 15, 20 years of these same conversations that we've had regarding Justin based on how he treated Janet in the wake of the Super Bowl and how he treated Britney. These are not new conversations. They're conversations that are talking points, maybe now more than ever, recently, because of this documentary and because the documentary came around the time of the Super Bowl. He's had a lot of time and I know that like he's addressed this stuff before, but it just felt very like I'm responding because the conversation is reaching a fever pitch and I don't want to get in trouble. So somebody came out with a great, um, you can look at this Twitter account at Brittany hiatus, um, a whole thread first tweet. Justin Timberlake slut shamed Britney Spears for over a decade. Okay. We're starting with the Crimey River video where he, you know, clearly used a lookalike, a Britney lookalike to um, expose that he, that she cheated on him. The Barbara Walters interview where he put the, all the blame on Britney, but then he said, I don't judge anybody. Um, he played a song entitled Horrible Woman. Which was clearly about her. The horrific Diane um, Sawyer interview in which Diane asked Brittany, like, what is it that you did to Justin? Like, how dare you? Um, There was a 2006 interview that he did with GQ magazine where he talks about when they broke up in 2002 He was quoted as saying, I felt like Brittany had a couple of opportunities to stick up for me and she didn't. Which is fine. But at that time, you know, I fought back and that's the way I fought back. I used my mind. I came up with a song. Imagine saying four years after you broke up with somebody and you basically built your career off the back of saying that she's like a hoe who cheated on you and wronged you to say that she should have stuck up for you. Let, let's all let that sink in for a second. Um, in 2007... 
he uh, won an award and this was, you know, at the top of Britney's troubles in which he's saying like, you know, telling her to stop drinking and not get sloppy. There's, he's calling her a Madonna wannabe. He called her a bitch during his suit and tie um, era. He, you know, um, great point. Young sir, if you want to talk about being wronged for somebody cheating on you, um, has your penis been in your pants this whole time of your relationship with Jessica Biel? Because we know it hasn't been. We don't see her writing, uh, I don't know, uh, Seventh Heaven re- reunion episodes about how you how she was scorned by some guy who had ramen noodle hair and then he shaved it and then he has a black scent. We didn't see that, did we? So thank you to Brittany Hiatus for um, all those receipts in which, you know, it doesn't seem like it seemed like for years he was directly benefiting in his career and in his public image from dogging this woman out who had her own personal troubles and her own issues because you broke up in 2002 and you felt some type of way about that. That is misogyny, dude, with a capital M. Okay. Um, anyway, it's fuck men forever. <laughs> That's my point. Um, yeah, I, oof, I just thought that was so, so gross. And I, I don't appreciate these apologies, but I appreciate the timing that they came out back to back. So we could all see like, you know, I, I'm not, I haven't answered the question of like, what is the right apology? I don't know. Because frankly, Nobody has come out with an apology that felt uh, like true healing and true growth on somebody's behalf. Hasn't happened. Is that all I want to talk about? Um, I think it is. <laughs> Just wanted to spend um, my Valentine's Day complaining about how men are trash and they're misogynistic and they're terrible. And just like, could we just try being good people? Like... Just try it, you know, just try it, just try it. Um, after this, you guys will hear my recap of Summer House. So excited. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye. I was really excited to see you because I really do care about you. We have a solid thing, you know? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. You're like my go-to in so many things in life but yeah, honestly like i want to know like who is sierra to you like what's the deal what, like should i know anything about you too um you know sierra is someone from my past and i say my past because we had a little thing are you okay yeah i just found them all is there a reason that you like didn't really tell me about it fast life from sunset to sunrise and i don't know the words in here i'm just gonna fake it i'll show you the way all right you guys let's talk about uh southern summer house i keep wanting i my mind was gonna say southern charm but here we are summer house a great season so uh why did i say it was a great season i don't think it is (laughs) Here's the thing. There's a lot of like delaying of 
suspension of belief that's having to happen here because by now most of us know that Hannah was fully dating somebody when she entered into the summer house. So all this shenanigans about wanting to get together with Luke and how jealous she is of Sierra is a fallacy, a lie, a fairy tale, a bamboozlement. So we're just going to have to do a Wayne's World into this fantasy world in which this storyline is real. And I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate having to do that because the show is great on its own. We don't need these like completely produced fake storylines. Why did they think that this was necessary? You've got Lindsay Hubbard in this house and you want to fuck my whole world up by making a fake storyline between Hannah and Luke? Like, how dare you? How absolutely dare they? Y'all better not pull this shit next season. I'll tell you that right now. There is plenty of things to talk about without this drama. We don't need it. We don't need it. This ain't the hills, bitch. This is Summer House. So let's put all, I'll put on our imagination caps because everything that you hear going forward, particularly when it pertains to Hannah and Luke, is going to be under the lens that all of this is real, even though I know it's not, okay? I don't know. Somebody asked me, do I think that Luke was in on this storyline? Not sure. Unclear. I think the important thing to check out is Hannah and Luke's interactions with each other online today. Because if they're fine, if they're buddy-buddy now then he knew about all this and they agreed on this uh, storyline. If they're not, then he, I would assume, feels like she like pulled some shicey shit on him and there we are. So put your hats on, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about this show as if these storylines are real, okay? Because that's the only way that I can get through this, even though I really like the show. Okay. So we start with Carl. He's making his bed and he's whistling and Paige and Hannah are now the like the two grumpy guys from the Muppets up in the theater. I don't know what their names are like uh, Belichick and Gronkowski. I don't know. I just this is all I know about football, you guys. (laughs) So um, he's whistling and Paige is like, who is whistling in this house? I won't have that in there. Then we see Luke fingers of flame texting both Hannah and Sierra good morning so nice to see you blah 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 um then he asks Hannah to play tennis so Paige with the hits you know I don't really want to give this bitch a whole lot of credit because she's racist (laughs) but if we're gonna have to talk about this fake storyline at least she's providing color commentary to the whole situation she says (laughs) Luke looks like he has a dead animal on his face and it's like he wants to be ugly and to which I say agree Luke for the Arrested Development fans do you know remember that scene where Job is um trying to hook up with uh I can't remember what her name was on the show but he's like you know hair down glasses off 
like trying to find a combination that works best for her like can we put the hair up can we put the glasses back on like what's can we let's try something else you know like he's trying to make it work and i that's me with luke like luke came on the scene slept in the summer house like i'm not super into blondes but like listen i can appreciate what luke was giving us in the in the og days last season this version of luke why Paige is right. It's like he wants to be ugly. What are we doing with the scraggly facial hair and the long hair? It's like, okay, shave hair, glasses, hair in a ponytail. Shave your facial hair, hair in a ponytail. Glasses off, beard off, beard on. Like, I don't know. I don't understand. Like, it feels like so long ago that I found him even remotely attractive that I don't even remember what combination worked for him. So I'm thinking it might be short hair stubble. I think that's Luke's sweet spot. But this like, cause at some point he had the facial hair, he had the full beard and then he shaved and that wasn't good either. So what, what is happening here? <laughs> anyway, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, so, Paige and, or not Paige, Hannah and Luke go out to play tennis and, you know, Hannah's like, you know, Luke is exacting exactly like he acted, uh, last summer. He's still obsessed with me. My eyes are rolling very hard right now. So our next scene, we have Paige and Amanda. They're out by the pool while Hannah and Luke are playing tennis. And Paige is like, you know, I wasn't expecting Hannah to act so excited the night before when Luke and Sierra came to the house because... Regardless of, like, the history between, like, even if you're totally over a guy, there is that point where you see him with another woman and it's like, ugh, like a knife to the stomach. Like, it just hits you. We've all been there, right? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, When it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. 
BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. But were you surprised, Paige, because it's fake? Okay, sorry, sorry. We're in our imaginary world where all this is real. So Paige says she wants to know, know the tea. She's doing her best friend duties. She's like, I'm going to go do crime scene investigation, Sierra, fuckboy scene investigation, FSI, and figure out what Sierra and Luke's history is. Because, to quote Paige, if I have to have another summer trying to figure out who Luke likes, if Luke likes a girl, I like lose my mind. And with my beard, his beard, I can't do it. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. Carl's mom, Angel Sharon, Pittsburgh, um, cutie, you know, the only good and true altruistic person in the, in the show. Sharon FaceTimes Carl and she's having a hot girl summer. Okay. She is post-divorce. She got her new house. She got her new man. She got her haircut, nails did everything big y'all. And she's about to get married. Okay. She's, you know, there's a little late conversation about Carl and his partying and Carl seems very confident. He says, I have a plan. You know, I will be drinking a little bit, but like I have a plan to keep that all in control. Like you don't have to worry. I feel good about it. And he talks about, you know, Sharon is my favorite. My mom is my favorite person in the whole world. And the last few years with the divorce and all this stuff have not been easy on her. So that weighed on me. Her pains and her troubles weighed on me. And that led me into a really dark place. Partying, numbing myself by drinking. But she met this guy, Lou. He's like an angel from heaven. He treats her beautifully. They're getting married. And it's like he feels there's a weight lifted off of him knowing that Sharon is getting taken care of and that she's happy. And that's really a beautiful thing to see. The wedding is that day, but obviously because of COVID protocols, he's not going to the wedding to keep her safe. They're both at risk age groups, Um, but they're going to be doing a live stream. The whole house is going to be doing one later. So then we get Paige saddles up to Sierra and she's like, so how do you know Luke? So Sierra tells us the whole thing. They met at a modeling gig a couple years ago, two summers ago, she went up to Minnesota to hang out, met the family, stayed with him for a couple weeks, took in the Minnesota air, had a great time. She said that they had not hooked up prior to them going to Minnesota, but Paige is like, what? have you guys hooked up since then? She's like, yeah. And Sarah in the confessional is like, you know, his hair blows in the wind. Luke's hair blows in the wind. And, you know, it's like, you really want to try hard to resist him, but you can't. Is that true? (laughs) Is that true? I took a little poll and the resounding answer to that question of whether or not one could resist Luke was a resounding yes. Okay. For me, because I'm a, Oh, I'm a slut. I wouldn't be that into it, but it's like, you know, he's got that body, yaddy, yaddy. And maybe I just might go there, you know, take a trip to Minnesota myself. You know, we all, we all got to do what we got to do. So 
In typical Luke fashion, Sierra says that basically after they got back from the Minnesota trip, he ghosted her. And she just assumes that it was because he still had a can, you know, had a little flame inside of him for his ex. Ex. Is this the ex fiance or an ex girlfriend that we're not sure about? Who's to say? I don't know. But Paige is like, so was he like good in bed? And. Sierra's like, you know, I don't really want to, like, talk about anybody's sex game. And Paige is like, yeah, totally. I don't either, except I do. So, and then Sierra says that he's got a creative mind, which is not, yes. <laughs> that means he did some weird shit and that she really wasn't that into it. Now, I've said this about Jared Kushner. I've said this about several other men. Luke, to me, gives off the vibe of, say it with me, folks, an aggressive fingerer, okay? He doesn't, you know, I think he thinks he's a lot sexier than he is. I think he probably really gives you a lot of eye contact in a way that's like, you know, there's a threshold for that, for how hot that can be. And he does it too much. He probably is like Matt James, The Bachelor, where he's like, staring at you when you kiss I just don't feel like many guys that look like Luke have really had to try they get off on their looks in more ways <laughs> it wasn't a pun and it wasn't an intended pun but I'm gonna keep that <laughs> so I don't think that he's good at bed because she would just have said yes but she said he's a creative mind and that is a very different answer then we see Kyle and Amanda, their storyline, like we don't really get much of them. They're basically like the mom and dad of the house. They're FaceTiming or having a video chat with the, both of their parents, right? About the wedding. They were supposed to get married in September of 2020, but they decide to delay it to June of 2021. Kyle's mom asking the real questions of, do you think that we're really going to be at a place of um, vaccinations by then to be having the type of wedding that you want by June 2021? Fingers crossed, Kyle's mom. Fingers crossed. According to Dr. Fauci, it's supposed, April's supposed to be a whole free-for-all. We're all, all getting vaccinated. So maybe the timelines will match. You guys, side note, have you seen that Amanda and Kyle are fostering a dog named Milton? He's a rescue puppy from a puppy mill in Georgia. He is very shy and he's like two or three and he's just learning how to be like a real dog because he's been stuck in that puppy mill and like in the um, crates for his entire life and he just doesn't really know how to be like a real dog and and they're just like teaching him and like oh he's just so sweet. He's so He looks like such a sweet boy. So if you guys are interested, if anybody's looking in the New York area to adopt Milton, Check him out on Amanda's um, Instagram. He's very cute. He's like a Jack Russell mix, it looks like. Adorable. He's so sweet. I would get him myself. Anyway, um, yeah, Kyle's just ready to get married. He's like, I spent my whole 30s being really afraid of commitment. And now, like, I feel like the universe is stopping me from doing something that now I'm finally ready to do, right? That was basically the whole scene. Um, I think people are really finding that they're liking Kyle a lot this season. But I think that's just because 
we're not really getting any of Kyle. <laughs> like, no shade to Kyle, but it's like, yeah, everybody looks great when you only see them on screen for like 20 minutes a time and they're not like yelling at people from across dinner tables and, you know, uh, you know, I, I, yelling at Amanda, right? Um, so then everybody's getting ready for Carl's mom's wedding. Lindsay's frustrated with Steven because it's the freaking weekend. Baby, she's trying to have some... Sorry, I shouldn't have quoted that. I take it back. Sorry. Um, she is frustrated with Steven because it's the weekend and she wants to spend time with her man. This was very interesting to me because she seems incredibly frustrated with him. Um, I think this is interesting. So she was on Watch What Happens Live after the show. And what she said was that prior to going into the house, she and Steven would spend their weeks apart working and then they would get together on the weekend and have that quality time. But now that he's in the house, it's like he's not really taking the time to have that quality time with her. She does say, you know, Steven works for the top hospitality group in the world or country and Obviously, they've taken a huge hit because of COVID and they've had to downsize from a team of 15 down to a team of four. So he's doing way more work than he's used to. But, you know, you got to film. Like, how much is he getting paid to sit at that that station? (laughs) You know, like, that's what I want to know. But the other part of me is like... You know, I'm a woman who will give somebody like 15,000 chances more than they deserve. But also it's like, how can you be this frustrated with him and y'all have only been in the house like four days tops? (laughs) It just feels a little like simmer down, simmer down hub house. And I love her. We're like, we're getting close to her being activated and I just don't think that it's worth it right now. So in Paige and Hannah's room, um, Paige is downloading Hannah and all the information that she just got from Sierra. Like he went to, she went to Minnesota. She said the sex was good. That's not what she said, but that's what Paige is saying. Okay. Um, and Hannah's like, oh, that's so sketchy. Like, and Paige is like, well, I think you should talk to him about it. Mm, mm -hmm. So everybody sits down, they watch the wedding and Lindsay said something very sweet. Like, you know, this is a big day for Sharon, but also for Carl, because, you know, because of all these things that were happening with his family, Carl couldn't commit to anything. And she's hoping that seeing Carl, seeing Sharon move on will help him to move on. And I agree. Everybody is loving Carl this season, myself included. And the man looks good. You guys like, I'm not even going to, I, there's no shame in my game on that. I think he's very sexy. And like, listen, I've thought all 17 versions of Carl have been pretty hot to me. And that's something that I need to reflect on. But this version of Carl, I'm really liking. And I think everybody agrees. Um, so they FaceTime Sharon to toast. And Sharon's first thing is like, why are you wearing that salmon colored suit, Carl? And I'm like, why not? I think it looked great. <laughs> um, then he... They were like, oh, who walked Sharon down the aisle? And we find out that it was Carl's nieces, um, his brother's daughters. So he's like, you know, of course, if I was there, I would have been the one to walk her down the aisle. But they were there. His, um, And he's talking to everybody about how, you know, his brother has been able to be in rehab for a longer time because of COVID. And it's actually helped him more. And how now, you know 
is like very complicated situation of like I saw my brother do these things he was struggling with his mental health and with addiction and somehow I I found myself in the throes of addiction but now that I'm out of that and I'm in a much better place I hope that this will be the time where my brother and I can repair our relationship of course very sad we found out uh not too long ago that his brother passed away he had an overdose so I really hope that like he really was able to, they were both able to come to a good place in terms of their relationship before he passed away. It makes me feel so sad for him, but I don't know. It seems like Carl's doing really well emotionally and I'm just like, I'm proud proud of my boy. I'm proud of my boy. Okay. Well, let's move on because this is really, it was too touching for what this show deserves. (laughs) Um, So moving on, Lindsay sits Luke down and she wants to know what's going on with Sierra. And she's like, are y'all a thing? And he's like, no, you know, at one point I was interested in her, but I hadn't let go of my ex, but now I'm in a place of yes. I'm totally open to being in a re- relationship. So then Lindsay asks, well, is Hannah out of the question? And Luke starts stammering like, uh, you know, I don't know. Like it's, it's interesting because, you know, sometimes maybe you think that you should be with somebody who's your, in your best friend. And then in a confessional, Luke says, you know, Sierra's a total babe, but Hannah and I have a strong connection. He tells Lindsay that he loves both of them and he thinks that they're amazing. The fact that he keeps saying in a confessional, like last last episode, he said, you know, Hannah's great, but Sierra's beautiful inside and out. And then he's saying that Sierra's a babe. It's like, ooh. You're really like saying the quiet thing out loud that you are not physically attracted to Hannah and that's rough. And I don't care if this is a a storyline or not. That is a rough pill to swallow. Paige gets a call from Pizza Man Perry and he's like, have you forgotten that you had a boyfriend? And Paige is like, oh, kind of. <laughs> and then she says in her confessional, you know, like when we were in quarantine together, he was on top of me 24/7, like hug me, love me, kiss me. Ugh, I don't like that. And girl, break up with him. Why I would have I think in a, in another world, this would have been Lindsay's man. She clearly wants somebody who's very doting on her. Seems like he does well financially and he's older. I think that Perry what little we've seen of him might have been a really good match for Lindsay Hubbard. He He's ready. He wants to get married. He wants like to be deeply committed. And Paige is acting like she really is disgusted by everything that Perry does. <laughs> so I, I'm not seeing really what is in it for her except for, you know, pizza and a rich, you know, moderately attractive guy. And I don't know. So then we see, back to Lindsay, we see Steven, Shravi, whatever, ask Lindsay to make him a drink. So he's at his workstation and he's, she hears him talking. She's like, oh, are you on a meeting? He's like, no, but actually like, can you, no, they're getting ready for something. He's like, oh, can you make me a drink? And so then we find out what the purpose of Danielle is for the season. Danielle is Lindsay's sounding board. The one that she goes when she wants to complain, as soon as Stravi does something that she doesn't like, she's going, making a beeline to Danielle's room to complain about it. 
this is how she's earning her check, right? So they're having like a 70s roller skating night. Lindsay's telling Danielle, like, I think he thinks that he's more important because he works harder or he works longer hours than I do. And that he thinks that basically like I'm his bitch because I have a freer schedule. That is a fair point. That is a very fair point. Get your get your own drink. But I have a theory on that that I'll I'll be going we'll circle back on that later. So for a 70s themed roller skating party, can anybody explain to me why Lindsay was dressed up like Natalie Portman in Closer? <laughs> With the pink wig? I didn't really understand, but I liked it. I liked it. Lindsay really can do no wrong for me. And I gotta admit, like, this is a hot take. I feel like Lindsay let the N-word fly quite a bit in high school and college. I don't have any confirmation of that. I just feel in my shundo that that's probably what happened. But for now, I like her. I just, you guys, my hackles are up and I'm feeling like we're going to get a hub house controversy some point soon. And that hurts me to say because she's that bitch, you know, in the best way possible. I feel it. I don't know what it is, but I feel it coming and I'm nervous about it. I really, really am. And I could be wrong and I hope that I am, you know, hand to Beyonce, let me be wrong. It's just something that I feel. And, you know, a lot of people say that I have like a really good intuition and that I have a lot of psychic abilities. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. Okay. So anyway, um, okay. So Paige says, you know, basically everybody knows what's going on between Luke and Hannah, except for Sierra and maybe Luke, because she doesn't know what's going on in his head anyway. So (laughs) then she says a, a great, very true thing. Basically, this is something that's going to explode because when two women get together, it's dangerous because they get a lot of information. And that's a, a lesson and a warning to all of you men. <laughs> Do not get two women that you that you liked together because they're going to fuck your whole world up. Every game that you played with both of them, done. Donezo. So then, okay. Carl's a star roller skater. He was going backwards. He was moonwalking. He's wearing the short shorts and nice, thick, muscular legs and, you know, so tan and like hairy and tall. And he just looked really like cute. And, you know, he was really the only one that wasn't falling on their ass like every five seconds. And, you know, a man who roller skates is a surprisingly sexy trait. And I'm not just talking about Carl. It it could be with anybody. What is it about that? Is it because it just, it's like smooth liquid motions. It's like a guy who's a really good dancer. Like it's a turn on. Maybe that's something that I need to work through. Y'all, y'all feel me on that? I don't know. <laughs> so then Hannah sits Luke down. And again, we have to suspend our anime, uh, uh, suspend our imaginations here or whatever the phrase is in order to say that this is like a real storyline. So Here's another thing, if we're going to pretend this is real, that let's let's go through the signs. He has been calling her burn dog 
for the entire first half of the episode. And then when she gets him to sit down to have a one-on-one conversation, he's given her a lot of dude, a lot of bro. And I will tell you right now, if a guy is calling you any version of dog, dude, or bro, he's friend-zoned you. Straight guys, straight cis guys do not call the people that they want to have sex with, dude. (laughs) I can tell you that for sure. For sure does not happen. So then she says, you know, oh, it's so crazy that I haven't seen you in like four months. And he's like, no, but I see you all the time, like on FaceTime. And that's indicator number two. That he's saying, you're what you're telling him is that like, wow, we really haven't spent much quality time together. And he's like, no, I have. The things that we've been doing have been plenty enough for me. And I've been totally satisfied with our level of interaction. That's what he's telling you. Ladies, gentlemen hear that and let it sink into you he doesn't want you girl he does not want to fuck you so then she says you know like i'm really happy to see you because i feel like we have a solid relationship like this man is skate skating in full-on jeans no shirt and a red bandana tied you know slicking back that sweaty long stringy blonde hair of his imagine simping for a guy who looks like lieutenant dan with abs and legs like imagine that he looks so gross he looks so nasty ugh killing so you know luke is like oh you're my go-to and so many things in life that's number three that i turn to you with other things because i'm getting lust and sexual satisfaction out of other people so I'm turning to you for like the more emotional things because there's no risk there for me I I can be vulnerable for you because you're allowing me to be because you're taking it because you have feelings for me even though I'm not acknowledging them but that you're the one I turn to because I don't have any attachment to you I, I can be as vulnerable with you as I want because there's no risk there because I don't like you Hannah, wake up, girl. Oh, Lord. So Hannah's like, okay, well, what's up with Sierra? Like, is there anything that I should know about you two? And Luke is like, well, she is someone from my past. And I say that because we had a thing. And Hannah's like, okay, well, is there a reason why you didn't tell me that you guys had a thing? And Luke is like, yeah, um, honestly, I didn't want you assuming things. Mm. Then Hannah asks, like, did you bring Sierra to the house because you were, like, maybe hoping to see what would happen between you guys and where things would go? And Hannah, or Luke says, uh, you know, I would love to see where things go, would go because she's beautiful. (laughs) But I want you in my life no matter what, because you're a great friend. Ooh. (laughs) Knife in the heart, knife in the heart, knife right in the aorta and just tug it down twist it around you got the capital f friend title he friends on the fuck out of you and he had to say for the third time she's beautiful but you're a great friend (laughs) kill me (laughs) kill me oh my god oh my god i like just put me back on that skating rink and just run just put a put a skate tire whatever those things kate wheel put it right in my temple just straight through my temple i i can't 
I cannot. So then, you know, in a confessional, Hannah says, friends don't want to fuck each other. And it's like, that's true. This is not a fuck each other. Like you want to fuck him. He doesn't want to fuck you. And that's the difference. And then she says, how are we're friends? How am I friends with Luke? But he's in love with a girl that I've never even heard of. And I'm smiling right now in this moment because I'm trying to keep from crying. That really should have been the end point for her. Like, I appreciate her what she did later by having this conversation. But that should have been all the indication that she needed to, like, go upstairs and cry with Paige and never speak to that guy again. Let it go. Let it go. So they finished skating around one o'clock in the morning. Steven is still working. Like he was out there on the skating rink and then he got a call from his boss and he had been working ever since. Lindsay's pissed off. So she walks into their bedroom and is like, is this how you're treating me? Do you think it's okay to just be like, no, I don't want to be with you. And then she says, call me crazy, but I'm not getting what I need. And again, I have to say, isn't this day three? Didn't you guys enter the house on like a Wednesday or Thursday? And this is a Saturday. Honey. Honey. Baby. Baby girl. Hub house. Get it together. Get it together. Hannah and Paige get into bed together. And Paige says, you know, like, Sierra, the Sierra things hurts her. And she's wondering, like, he's been, te- he texts me all night long. And I'm wondering now if he's texting Sierra when he's texting me and it's like, yeah, girl, he just told you that he thought you were beautiful, that she was beautiful. You think he's not trying to text her at night? No. And like, another thing is like, we don't really see, we have not seen Hannah and Luke interact during the daytime. Like he's usually doing his own thing. He's not really trying to spend quality time with her. You're only just now three days into the situation having the conversation of like, oh, we're just now seeing each other. And the only time that he really talks to you is like at night and in the morning. And that's the only time you really see him being demonstratively kind to you. But during the day, he's just basically like doing his own thing in the same house that y'all live in. Like context clues, girl. Get it together. And I'm not going to put this on her. He's playing the fuck out of her. But it's also like, just open one eye, girl. Sometimes we only see what we want to see. And I'm not saying that is her responsibility. But I think, you know, a little bit, a little bit. He's not treating her well. And he's doing that intentionally. But also, you know, love yourself. And put your foot down. So the next day, it's Kyle, Carl, Kyle, Kyle's birthday. Um, a guy comes to fix in the stove because we all know it didn't work. The oven didn't work. And at one point, he, this uh, repairman has his legs kicked up in the air. He's trying to grab something behind the stove. And he's looking at me like when I can't reach the garlic naan in the Trader Joe's freezer bins. Like th- when there's only one package left and it's like in the back and at the bottom and it, there's nobody uh, tall enough to really get that reach for me. Nobody has a wingspan in my in my general vicinity. Just digging down because, ooh, I love those frozen garlic naan, you guys. So good. So good. And helpful hint, they tell you to put it in the oven. Don't do that. The way to do it, this is a hint for me to you guys. Take a little pat of butter, 
put it on a, a skillet, um, put it in a pan that'll fit the naan, let the butter melt, put it down, simmer, simmer, okay, and then you're going to flip it, simmer it again. This is probably like a five minute process, just low and slow, and that will give you the right, like, it's, you have to have like a soft and a little bit of crunchy, and it really, the butter gets the flavor of the garlic out perfectly. Thank me later, y'all. Don't put that shit in the oven. Put it in a pan on low. You're welcome. So he doesn't get the oven fixed. He's going to have to get the parts out. Great. <laughs> so Lindsay goes back into the room. Stravi's still working. And she's like, he's like, can you make me a sandwich? So she's pissed again. She's, we're at activation level three. Defcon three here. She immediately walks into Danielle's room to complain about how, you know, he just asked me to make a sandwich. And here's where I have to offer maybe just like a little bit of uh, Stravi defense. Now, I just told you the story about how I can't reach on the back of the bins at Trader Joe's. And Stravi appears to look around my height. So maybe when he's asking you to do things, it's because he's embarrassed because... Y'all, New York real estate does not really account for the height deficient. And maybe he just can't reach them. Like, maybe he can't reach up to the cupboard to get the bread. Have we ever thought about that? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Maybe he's trying to get ahead of the story by just having people do things for him that are really able to because he can't I don't know just a theory just something to think about you guys something to think about so the plan for Kyle's birthday is that they're going to be playing restaurant they're going to be all doing role playing at the send it grill Kyle and Amanda are going to be the patrons and everybody has a job Carl's going to be the sommelier Danielle's going to be the general manager slash the person who does nothing, right? Um, uh, Paige is the host. Uh, Hannah's the executive chef. Servers are uh, Luke and Sierra. Everybody's got a job. So Hannah, before all this happens, she walks into Sierra's room, sits down on her bed. No, let me, let me backtrack. Knocks on Sierra's closed door. Asks if she can come in. Goes to the other side and sits down on the bed. And then asks Sierra to close the door. Why didn't you close the door behind you? 
<laughs> if you want a privacy, why don't you close the door that you just opened, girl? It was closed for a reason. I thought that was so rude. <laughs> so Hannah wants a tea and is like, you know, I heard from Luke that he said that he wanted to see where things are going to go with you guys. And Sierra's like, yeah, well, I'm pretty into him. And Hannah says, um, by the way, like, I've never heard of you until you came into this house. And Sierra's like, well, I heard about you. And Luke kind of painted the picture that you wanted more than he did. And that if he slept with you, that he was worried that you would get too attached. I hate that line of thinking. I hate it. I <laughs> this has never really happened to me, but I just like the idea that these, that women are so emotional and we've been taught and we've been like ingrained in our minds that like men can have sex with anybody and they don't catch feelings. But women, you get half an inch, a tip in there, tip inside of you. And it's all over there and she expects commitment and she's in love with you and she's so obsessed with you. And like, I'm being the good guy by not going there because I'm scared that she's going to want more than I can give her. Like, no, just say that you don't want to have sex with her. You're not being altruistic here. Like, don't even give me that shit. And women can have sex with just as many people as men can and catch no feelings and they can have a good time. Is he right about Hannah? Yeah, but generally speaking, like, I just don't enjoy that line of thinking. I hate it. I think it's so lame. Um, so Hannah's like, well, that's not true and not how it went at all. And Sierra, he was fully dating me last summer. And Sierra's like, really? Because last summer... He was FaceTiming me. He would call me every day. We're even getting flashbacks of Luke in his room saying how hot she is and how hot she looks. And, you know, we had sex. And how can you say that you've been celibate for a year when we had sex? Like being totally flirtatious with her. And everything's coming into pieces for both of them. This is wild. This is wild. So Hannah says, you know, I would be at his place every night. And Sierra was like, would you sleep over? And she didn't quite answer that, but she was like, I would be at his house every night. And, you know, he would take me out to dinner and it was like a full on relationship. But no, it's not a full on relationship because y'all aren't full on fucking. <laughs> That's not a full on. If you guys aren't having sex and you're not even like fooling around, really. That's not a full-on relationship, girl. It, it, she's acting as though nobody has ever flirted with her in her entire life. It's weird. <laughs> it's very weird. It's like, I don't know if this is acting or not, but it feels like if this is real, then I'm going to need Hannah to get more relationship experience under her belt. Particularly if you're going to be living in New York, girl. Like... If he is taking you out to dinners, eh, eh. <laughs> if he's hanging out, you know, it's like, how is he hanging out because he doesn't have anything to do? Girl, it just, mm, mm. my other question is, have Sierra watched the show before? Because Hannah and Luke was a huge thing last 
summer last season. So how would she have not known that there was something going on between them? I mean, it seems like Luke, if, if she hadn't watched the show, then Luke made her feel very comfortable in the fact that there was nothing going on. And when you say like, I've never had sex with her, that's a very good excuse to be like, yeah, I believe you. I believe you that nothing's happening between y'all. So Sierra is like, okay, what are you and Luke? What's your deal now? And Hannah was like, you know, he really flirted with me on the tennis court today. <laughs> and he texts me every night. And Sierra's like in a confessional, like, I don't really know what to make of this because I don't know Hannah. And I'm wondering if maybe Hannah's exaggerating about their relationship because she's hurt. Or if I'm in the middle of a love triangle that I didn't even know existed. Great question. Great question. So everybody's playing restaurant for Kyle. He is so happy. It was very adorable to see like how just like excited he was because he didn't know what they were doing and how like it just it was really cute. He's smiling from ear to ear. He's so excited about this whole thing. Very, very cute. So they start talking about delaying the wedding and Amanda's like, honestly, like I'm fine with it because I know like there's no pressure in our relationship. I know we're forever and I want to have that relationship that like not relationship that big celebration for our wedding so like I don't mind waiting for it to happen and I think that's great that's like really really healthy if you guys like I don't uh, you know what you know I'm not gonna get into it (laughs) I don't want to make anybody feel bad so I just think that this is like a very great situation a, a great way of thinking to have about their wedding so Luke, as everybody's cooking and stuff, Luke starts flirting with uh, Sierra and saying that she's beautiful and like, oh, you're so talented and blah, blah, blah. And you can see Hannah staring at them, sautéing that spinach, side-eyeing the fuck of them at Luke specifically. She's pissed. She is pissed. (laughs) If anybody's wilting more in that room than the spinach, it's definitely Hannah. So Hannah says, you know, I'm fine with him not choosing me, but it's hurtful that he rubs it in my face. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, It just feels very like high school, doesn't it? It feels very high school. And before I forget, Andy did an after show, the Watch What Happens Live after show. And one of the audience members asked, would you be up for a reboot of NYC Prep? And he said that he's surprised that they even got one season done because between the schools and the parents not wanting to film the students, like it was very difficult, very, very difficult. So he doesn't think, sorry, you guys, I know we all want NYC prep to come back, but it looks like a no-go. It looks like an absolute no-go. He also, somebody asked him how he would feel like, what were his top picks for a new franchise for the housewives? And he said, He really couldn't think of any because he thought that everything was really good right now. And somebody asked him if he would do Salt Lake or uh, St. Louis. And he was like, absolutely not. (laughs) So so there you go. Um, Back to the show. So the meal is over. Kyle and Amanda go back upstairs to have dessert with everybody. And Hannah's like, Luke, I just want to talk to you for a second. And Sierra, why don't you join? 
And so they all sit down and Hannah's like, I'm trying to understand, like, you obviously have two girls in the house that you had to think with. So how many girls were you talking to last summer? <laughs> Luke's response is, uh, honestly, not that many. How many is not that many? How many girls do you need to talk to, Luke? You weirdo. How many girls does it take to feed Luke's ego? An excellent question. I can't imagine having these, like, emotionally involved relationships with multiple people over text, particularly when one of, you live with one of them. And then you're, like, sliding away to, like, text, hey, baby, hope you're having a great day. You look so hot. Like, that's weird. And, like, that is the part where, like, I really have to take that off of Hannah. Like, that is all Luke being a complete F-U-C-K-B-O-I weirdo. Classic. Did not like that. So then Hannah goes in on how, you know, you promised me to have to come up to Minnesota last summer and I've talked to your mom and I met your sister and all your friends and like I was really in your life in this real way and basically it's not quite a love bomb but it's like a mini version of a love bomb. He it's an investment bomb. Like he took her into his life made it seem like all this shit was real because once you meet the friends, that's a big step. Once you meet the family members, once you meet the mom, once you meet the sister, those are big steps. And you're inviting her to come back to your home and enter your world and your youth. And those are big things to do. And to just like, we somebody like we're going to do this we're you know we're going to have a great time in minnesota we're going to be hanging out with my family we're going to hang out with my friends those are big things to do and not to be taken lightly at all and i don't understand why luke doesn't see that as a big deal like telling multiple women that you're gonna like bring them up how tired how exhausted must his family be like oh what girls are we meeting today what girls are coming on a summer trip to our house for the next two weeks luke this isn't an airbnb (laughs) like what is he doing that is weirdo straight up weirdo behavior so then luke says you know i spent a summer with you and we had an awesome connection and you know i care about you And Sierra's like, but we were talking at the same time, too. And you made it seem like this summer was going to be the summer where you wanted to rekindle stuff. And Luke's like, well, listen, I've always been attracted to you and I liked you. And Hannah interrupts and she's like, okay, well, how many girls did you say this to? Because you said what you're telling Sierra is the exact same shit that you told me. And this is when Luke starts getting cagey and angry. He says he looks at her and says to Hannah, We were never in a relationship and we've had this conversation numerous times, but today to this day, I still flirt and have fun with you because that's our relationship. Fuck you. You know exactly what you're doing. You're keeping her involved. You're hanging her by a string because you know that she's going to give you whatever it is that you need emotionally to say like, I, we've talked about how we're not in a relationship numerous times, but like, 
you know that our relationship is to flirt. No, you don't do that. And this is where the men need to take responsibility or anybody. If you're the one who's not invested and you know that the other person is invested, like don't just assume that they've easily transitioned from going to wanting to be in a relationship with you to just having this fun, flirty relationship that rarely happens. And you have to take responsibility for setting boundaries. And I know he said we've had numerous conversations, but then if you're having numerous conversations, but then also flirting with her and talking about this, that, and the other, and how you, you know, no, absolutely not. So Hannah says, what you're saying can really fuck a person up. And I wanted to have fun with you. And I feel like you wasted my time. Then Luke starts getting sassy and he's like, I wasted your time. Choose your words wisely. Excuse the fuck out of me. Excuse the fuck out of me, Goldbranson. Ooh. Hannah starts crying and she's like, you're calling me every day. And Luke's like, yeah, we're friends. And Hannah's like, friends don't lie to friends. You would tell me if you were talking to other people. And then he says, I didn't have to tell you that. Yeah, the fuck you did. Yes, you did. To act like you just are completely innocent in this. Oh, he's making me so mad. (laughs) To act like you're completely innocent in this situation. And like, it was her responsibility to take her out of the situation. No, that is not okay. That is absolutely gaslighting her. It's putting all the responsibility on her to get out When she was the one who had feelings for you, you're the one who doesn't have feelings for her. You get out. You set the boundaries. And don't continue flirting with her. Because now she's sitting here crying in front of everybody who's watching this conversation happening. Sierra wants to die. And she's like, Paige and Amanda are always interrupting. Why couldn't they do it now? They're just sitting there. (laughs) She's mortified. Gross. Gross, gross, gross. And that was the end of the episode. That was a to be continued. I'm really interested in seeing how this happens. Hannah gets up and says, leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you. And we love to see it. And I hope that this next episode is the end of Luke, Hannah, Sierra, and their love triangle. Because it's fake. (laughs) Even though I just got all emotionally invested in him being a fuckboy. Because he is. We all have to know that this shit is fake. We're out of the time warp, you guys. Thank you so much. Have a great week. I'll be back in a couple days with 98 Fiance.